Hi, Usman, and welcome to hey. Skills for Mars Future of Work. I'm really glad to be hosting you. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. I am not hosting you, but still, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I was looking forward to speaking to, to someone from cybersecurity because this is a field that's growing uh, really much. And now, especially with the pandemic and everything, there's yeah. way more focus put on cybersecurity. So I was, I'm really glad to having this, this chat with you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Would you be okay to introduce yourself to everyone so they know for how long you've been fighting cybercrime? And, uh, and then um, we'll get into the questions. Yeah, well, I've been in security since 2006, corporate. I was, I liked um, meddling with things since I was in 10th grade. Uh, so, yeah, I have uh, some kind of uh, consulting experience, uh, professional and non-professional since 1999, 2000. Um, and, uh, yeah, I have been working in three continents. I work in Southeast Asia, in my home country. Um, and then we're in the Middle East and now in Europe. I recently moved from Denmark. I was working there. Uh, and now over here, I'm doing slightly different. Uh, I'm actually consulting. Plus, I'm actually helping building up a cybersecurity consulting business as well in my current company. So, yeah. That's, you've, worked in, you've worked globally. Is there a difference globally in uh, cybercrime? Well, cybercrime is usually the same. Okay. It's the same attacks, uh, the same motives. Uh, usually it's um, monetary rewards. And um, so it's everywhere. And as you know, now, nowadays it's globalization, right? So because of that, wherever you are, anybody from anywhere in the world would actually attack you. And it would be the same MO, same things that they do. So yeah, it's the same. Got it. I thought you were moving because uh, cybersecurity is uh, better in one place or another. But by the way, if we if we were to describe, because I think there's a misunderstanding. What's the difference? What's cybersecurity and what's the difference with information security? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, cybersecurity in general is a new, relatively new buzzword um, used nowadays. Uh, information security is pretty old. It's like information security by information, you mean digital and analog uh, information. Like, for example, you have files, you have um, notebooks, you have, uh, you know, whiteboards, all, all those kinds of things. So <clears throat> that part is information security. So everything that has to deal with their, its confidentiality, integrity, and availability of that material or that information uh, is information security. So it's, it's an all-round thing. Then we come down to cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is actually cyber attacks and cybersecurity in the digital world. So um, you do look at cyber, uh, sorry, uh, non-digital world as well, but mostly it's related to digital world, like your computers, your laptops, your uh, phones, your tablets, everything that's actually connected to the internet actually comes under cybersecurity. So, yeah, and there are different ways of talking about it. Like, um, for example, if you, uh, if you ask an academic or an academic, uh, um, you can say, description of this is that uh, security is actually divided into four or five parts. So it starts with data security, then it's network security, uh, then it goes down to parameter security, and then overall information security. Um, so... 
yeah, it's it's the way you actually want to describe it is um, how you do it. But basically, the difference is information security is on top, cybersecurity is under it. So, yeah. There are right now, I read somewhere about 30 billion devices connected to the internet, hmm. something like this in 2020. Yeah. So IoT, uh, Internet of Things, has changed the world. Um, the the amount of things that you can do with a cheap device, uh, that has actually changed the world, seriously. You have cameras, you have your um, microwave ovens, your fridge connected to the internet, your bulbs connected to the internet. Um, so um, that actually is um, a good thing and a bad thing. A good okay. thing in, in a way that uh, it, it creates a, a, a large-scale digital transformation. Uh, and a bad thing because it's really hard to actually secure all of these things. Uh, so, for example, if you look at budgeting, right? So, um, from China, if someone wants to build a hundred devices, like for example, cameras, right? And you don't have a budget; you're a startup, so you will try your best to put in functionality and then think about security later. So that's uh, that's a sort of a mindset that usually people have uh, because with startups. Nowadays, startups look at security, but usually when you are some company who actually just sells things uh, and doesn't care about security, then in that case, you go for the cheapest option. And then in that case, there's no security, there's no power to actually do security. Um, and that's where the problem occurs. Like people are using webcams, they get hacked um, and... Oh, Obviously, on Amazon, on, on other uh, platforms, uh, they don't look at security. They just look at user review. They're pretty. They, they work well. It's a 4K video. It's perfect. Uh, but at the back end, the problem, there's no independent uh, security audits of these kind of devices, these companies. And so we just go on face value and the picture and the design, you know. Uh, and that's how consumerism works usually. <laughs> so, yeah, and I and I think we're all. I mean, I never think about cybersecurity when I press a button or install an app or anything like that. So, what's the worst that can happen with our data by using our phones? By I don't know, installing things. Well, um, initially, back in two thousands, end of two thousands, even uh, when smartphone era wasn't there, uh, the thing was that most of the things that you had in your phone was SMS text messages, and phone call logs, right? Uh, so someone very sophisticated had to actually grab your phone, put in a backdoor or a, or a virus or something to actually get all those things, right? But nowadays, you have a smartphone that can be attacked via the web. Uh, and most of the apps are using web views. This sort of a technology that actually uh, is the same as a browser. So any attack that goes towards a browser goes towards a web view, so, uh, and hence your phone. So, uh, and now your phone is your sort of your best friend. Um, it has all your good and bad secrets. Um, and, you know, um, and it has so much more. So the, uh, in, in security, we say threat landscape, right? So uh, the... Yeah, so the threat landscape in general, it increases, like uh, the space on which the attacks can actually happen. So uh, someone installs an app, steals your data, 
uh, your emails, your passwords, your pictures. Um, if they steal your pictures, they can blackmail you. If they can steal your confidential information, uh, like for example, your credit card number, they can use it um, against you um, and you can go bankrupt. Um, and Or they can blackmail you or other things. You have confidential information, they leak that and they uh, blackmail you to sell it to your competitor or just make it public. So that becomes a serious problem. So, yeah. Um, does using the apps that use your phone to mine for uh, Bitcoin, do they fall under cybersecurity as well? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how do you they, recognize if you have any of this? Did you ever find anything like this on your phone or on your computer? And how do you recognize that you, you've been hacked? Uh, well, the best thing on the phone... Um, I had a webinar uh, a few uh, months back and that was the same question there. Um, so there's subtle things that you can check if something, number one, you always install your apps from official app stores like Play Store or um, Apple Store. And secondly, you don't install random apps. You just, you know, uh, there are official apps and then there are replicas of those apps. So um, mostly replicas of those apps are bad, you know? Install How do you recognize a replica? Well, uh, for example, there was a game uh, like uh, many years back. It was called, um, what was the game's name? Um, yeah, it was sort of a game in which you just had, there was a, yeah, uh, it was called Flappy Bird or something, something like that. Or yeah. And then there was an iOS version called Snappy Bird or whatever. I don't know. Uh, it got super famous really fast. Um, so what happened was that people started making replicas of those. So it got floppy birds. You could see floppy, blah, 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 blah. So a little research is important. Like, for example, if you go for Microsoft Teams app or Zoom app, for instance. Uh, so if you actually look at the Play Store, you'll actually see the name and then the publisher. So the publisher is very important. So if you're going for Microsoft, if you're going for Zoom, if any if you're going for a game, like for example, Call of Duty and uh, uh, Activision, you'll, you look for Activision apps. Um, those are that's the company. Um, so those kinds of things you can actually check. And if you're not sure, you go on the website or the official website and see they would do. They would definitely have a link to the real thing. So that's a, a sort of um, um, good security hygiene kind of a thing that you should do every you should do this all the time it sort of sort of should be um your default uh, sop mm -hmm. <laughs> that you do so yeah should we be afraid of cookies um or worried about cookies let's not uh... well cookies are usually used to track you mm -hmm. Uh, there are a lot of, um, you can say, add-ons to your browsers uh, that you can use uh, to block those cookies. Uh, so Facebook cookies, those kinds of things. Um, there are privacy modes in browsers as well. You can use them. Uh, um, so when you close or shut down your browser, everything, all your history is deleted, and especially all the cookies. So uh, that's a good way to actually protect against them. Although they're never malicious in the sense that they won't infect your computer, <clears throat> but they can track you. Mm -hmm. And now Facebook owns so many uh, things. It owns WhatsApp. 
you know it owns everything so for example if you don't even use uh whatsapp and or sorry uh facebook and you're using instagram so the same data is actually going to them and their advertisers so is there any way we can still have a shed of privacy or Ooh. this will disappear at some point well um it depends um like in security in privacy as well you need to uh make people aware um and awareness is the key people don't know when they're using it especially teenagers they don't care they don't know if nothing happens they're good with everything right so they need to actually uh be cautious they need to learn what kind of what problems we can get with privacy what problems we can get with security uh not being there um so privacy would still be there um i think there are a lot of organizations foundations that are talking about privacy like in the eu we have gdpr so that was a very 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 big leap towards uh individual privacy and and that is a very good thing like personal data shouldn't be leaked should be deleted and you know if uh, you should have the right to delete the data and and that was a very big leap so i don't think it wouldn't would be a lack of privacy would be a problem in the future although of course there are a lot of companies uh, that track you like we had with facebook had a scandal with um cambridge analytica mm-hmm. um that was a very big scandal um and that company was basically doing everything they could to track people to make campaigns to change the perception um so those kinds of companies will still be there uh but the way you can protect yourself is to be aware that these companies are there and you should you know uh use caution like as i mentioned delete your cookies when you uh you know uh, shut down your browser it's not about security that you're hiding something it's more about that the companies can track you across uh different platforms uh there are companies there um in in your mobile um I tested it once but I'm not sure whether it happened or not when you speak a certain word there have been some videos as well when you speak a certain word several several times in front of a phone uh for some reason you start getting the same kind of ad- ads although it shouldn't be allowed it uh, it sits But uh, it does happen it happened to us as well. Yeah it it happens uh, and I don't know I'm still researching on why and which uh, apps are actually doing it but still it's happening. because it's a big business now um recently uh in the netherlands there were some banks which were also uh it was in the news that they were sort of sharing their uh not complete details but the names etc etc or email addresses with certain third party um so the watchdog here actually you know told them not to do it so those kind of watchdog should be there to check these companies um and at least in europe it would work am i getting the the wrong feeling that somehow companies start to think a bit about security when they are i don't know developing an app releasing it in the market but then you need this watchdogs to to actually audit their app or audit their hardware to make sure it's secure and only afterwards they actually take real measures like zoom example exactly they should do it <clears throat> um like for example there are a few apps like wire signal um these uh companies they number one they have open source um tools 
Uh, so the app is completely open source. You can see the full source code. All the developers can actually see it. The second thing is that they do external um, uh, independent audits. So any company can actually do their audit and then give a report. Out. So that report is completely transparent and it everybody can see it. So all organizations should actually do it. But unfortunately, that doesn't happen uh, because mostly it's black box that you can't see. They just say that it's secure and you say, yeah, it's secure. So, yeah. What were the risks with, uh, with the Zoom? It, it's an app that everyone uses. And uh, when it became really prevalent uh, now during, the, during COVID, uh, there were some watchdogs who raised their hand and said, hey, this is not secure enough. There are servers in China. Uh, it's not encrypted communication. What were the risks? <clears throat> well, with Zoom, it was like overnight, they became a success. Uh, and that was very um, strange because there were many mature apps like Microsoft Teams. Uh, there were like, there was Slack. There were other tooling that was actually doing Google Hangout. Um, but these uh, Zoom actually became a success overnight. And due to the sheer pressure and everybody in the world started focusing on Zoom. So it's a normal app. Anybody if around the world, uh, like, 90% or even 50% security researchers start, uh, you know, poking around with one app, they will find vulnerabilities. And secondly, they had a lot of issues with their privacy uh, terms and conditions. They were uh, saving a lot of information, personal information about the people who were actually uh, using it. Uh, they were recording um, the whole conversations. Uh, it, it was possible to record it. Um, so those kinds of things weren't um, apparent to the people who were actually using it. So that became a serious problem. Um, and uh, with everything that becomes a success, there are critiques, there are problems. Their security team is very, very good. It's, it's working day and night to actually secure uh, themselves. Uh, but again, still, it's um, our advice as security community that if you want to discuss something very confidential, do not use Zoom. If you want to have party with your friends, you know, have you know, cyber coffee or whatever, do it. It's record fine. the public video. Yeah, record a public video. Like right now, we're doing it, so it's it's actually fine. But and also use it on the web browser uh, rather than uh, installing it on your laptop because when it gets installed it has other more rights um, and it's as 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 you mentioned and we discussed earlier that there isn't any independent audit that happens for zoom so we don't exactly know what it does so it's better to use uh, chrome or some kind of a browser rather than you know installing an app so yeah those were the problems but again it can happen to any company right so uh, they weren't ready uh, there weren't that many users and they were slowly building up and then suddenly they had a peak. So, yeah. Definitely. And now they're doing everything to to fix it. I mean, they have security yeah. patches every other yeah. day. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, quite, kind of interesting on how this is moving. Should we get as consumers really good in, re in, write, in reading Sorry, the fine print line to understand how we can set up our privacy modes how often should we check and recheck? Because honestly, I think for Google, uh, Google Maps, for example, I have to ask them once a month not to follow me or whenever there's an update, 
they restart yeah. tracking yeah. Uh, where I've been. So I have to go back in, in the system yeah, and, and change every single time. Should yeah. we get better as consumers at doing that? Yes, this is where awareness comes in, right? So you, the fine print always has to be read, uh, especially nowadays. So, uh, and this is where awareness comes in and uh, people should know that if they don't read it, what damage can it do? Uh, mostly things are black and white, but usually things aren't. Uh, so when the things, uh, when anything isn't black and white, then the gray area has, you know, can create a lot of problems for a consumer. So it's good to actually read privacy policies. Uh, yeah, because uh, I'm, I'm sometimes I'm very, because I use um, uh, Chrome or Firefox and then uh, the, uh, the private mode. So every time I go to Google, it shows me that um, agreement, privacy agreement, we have changed it. Do you agree? This and that. So in that case, I didn't just don't read it and then go and say, I've already done it. Please uh, let me be. Uh, but other than that, if it's a new company who actually, um, if you're a software you're using or a service you're using, you should actually read it. Read the fine print. I read an article the other day that said that there can never be enough ethical hackers, uh, people fighting cybercrime, because it's always going to grow. And, and, and I think there's a shortage right now of about 3 million people in the industry. Yeah. That's at least what, what uh, uh, Data Online said. Yeah. Why is that happening? Are people not studying this? Because companies are definitely looking to, to increase the, the numbers of uh, specialists. Well, um, it's very interesting. If you actually only see uh, India and Pakistan, there are a lot of people who are in security. And um, still companies say that they have a cybersecurity shortage, mm -hmm. um, which is very interesting to why that is. Um, but for that, I'm not exactly sure why that is. Uh, that depends on the companies that want to hire people. So if they don't, if they don't agree with uh, the CV of the candidate, that's up to them. I, I can't uh, comment on that. Uh, but in general, there is a shortage. Like um, by shortage, we mean that people who can do almost everything regarding cybersecurity. Like for example, in our consultancy, there are a lot of hackers out there. Uh, there are bug bounty programs and they're very skilled hackers that are out there. But when the company, when you go for a, uh, or for a senior consultant role or a consultant role and you give an interview over there, the company isn't actually looking only for um, your technical skills. They're also looking for your consulting skills, which you don't have because most of the things that you do are um, against a server using bug, uh, we are bug bounty uh, platforms and those kinds of things. So the problem is that uh, the HR or the hiring manager, he needs consultants. We don't have consultants. We have a lot of hackers. So that's where the confusion lies. Um, and, and many companies then don't hire. And then there is um, a problem between, uh, uh, I noticed in Denmark is that uh, there, there was a large pool of people who were very highly qualified, uh, but companies didn't know about it. So the scheme they went on to Denmark, um, they, that 
I don't know, there was a miscommunication or there was a communication gap between uh, private sector and or, or normal companies and the government or the scheme, whatever. They didn't know that they had so many people sitting um, within their country and they had to hire people from the outside and that was very expensive. So then they sort of didn't do that. Where were they and, sitting? I mean... Well, uh, there was uh, it was a scheme uh, in Denmark where they invited a lot of highly skilled people. Uh, they came in, and the thing was that you have to find a job. Mm -hmm. um, so, a lot of people actually found the job, but most of the companies, like in my case, uh, my both my companies that I work with, uh, they when I spoke to the people, they didn't even know that there were so many highly skilled people sitting there, uh, international people sitting in Denmark. Uh, when they uh, um, posted a job online, on LinkedIn or somewhere, um, they got a lot of CVs. Uh, but for example, if someone is from uh, Mexico or someone is from Brazil and he sends a CV, even if he's inside uh, um, Denmark, he sends a CV and says, yeah. So when the hiring manager would actually look at it, they would actually say, oh, so this guy is going to come from Brazil and this guy, yeah. So the first when they look at the first screening, at that point, he might go to the site because of the uh, apparent reasons. Uh, but that hiring manager doesn't actually know or the technical manager doesn't actually know that that guy is originally sitting inside Denmark and they just have to call him up, bring him in, and he would be there the next day. You know? um, and they wouldn't even have to pay for his visa. So those kinds of things companies don't know. And there's a big communication gap between the government and the companies. Um, so that's why there, I think there's a lot of skill shortage because of that. Um, so, yeah. And while, while I was listening to you, maybe it's because companies historically, maybe this will change now after the pandemic, have tried to hire people where they were in their location yeah. rather than use people who can uh, yeah, digitally uh, do this remote, uh, whether they're yeah. in India or, uh, I don't know, somewhere in Asia or yeah. in South America and just cover the world. Yeah. We spoke about hackers and ethical hackers. What's, what's the difference? Can a hacker become an ethical hacker? Can, what's the, what's, how would you define them? Well, um, hackers can become ethical hackers. Uh, ethical hackers basically, so hacker, the word hacker is usually used pretty uh, in, in, in a bad way. Uh, but initially the word hacker, um, so Steve Wozniak, uh, the co-founder of, uh, Apple, uh, these guys used to have, um, you know, small sessions together. They used to make new things, break new things. Uh, and at that time, that those people who were inquisitive and who were who wanted to, you know, learn things were called hackers. Uh, but then as time actually went through and media got the wind of this, then hackers became very bad people. So when whenever we talk about, at least in security, whenever we talk about um, hackers, <laughs> we don't say hackers. We say either malicious uh, threat actors or these kinds of things because hackers, um, anybody can be a hacker. Like, for example, when you were little, you used to, you might have, uh, you know, broken the toy to actually see what's inside, you know, and then uh, put it back together. So that inquisitive mind is sort of a, a key thing that a hacker has. Uh, but the hacker that you're actually mentioning, um, the, the the malicious threat actors um, around the world, they're bad people. Uh, they do things for monetary gains. Uh, they do not 
actually directly care about um, anything other than money. Uh, we've seen that lately when there was an attack against uh, companies that were doing research for COVID-19 vaccines. So why would you do that? There was an attack on NHS uh, two years back. Why would you do that? Um, although <laughs> NHS all, and all these hospitals around the world should actually do not assume that an attacker would not attack a hospital because it's a hospital, they should look for, they should uh, take care of their cybersecurity as well. Um, but still, it was bad. It was, it's unethical. So what happened was at some point in time, uh, people thought that, okay, we need people who actually know about hacking, but they are not bad people. They don't do things for monetary gain. So then courses started coming out, like certified ethical hackers, blah, blah, blah. So everything that a hacker does, they were actually taught. The normal students were actually taught that. And then they actually started helping organizations because they were using the same tricks, same techniques, same everything to actually hack into their uh, own company, um, but in, in constraint. So there was a scope, everything was within scope, and they used to do that. So that's the basic difference between a hacker and an ethical hacker. Um, and I also mentioned consultants. So most of the ethical hacker then, uh, hackers actually become consultants for other companies. And, you know, this is how it goes. And help discover threats. Uh, yeah. Do you think this market will increase, especially now the market for jobs and even for cybersecurity, especially now under, after uh, COVID? Well, cybersecurity is very interesting. Uh, cybersecurity is like, I always tell people that like law enforcement, it can never end, you know, because you have to police, you have to look at things, you have to catch criminals, you know, the same goes for cybersecurity. Um, and the thing is that if uh, like in movies, uh, when you show, when you see that there's a complete blackout and most in most of the games and in horror movies, everybody becomes a zombie. Uh, in that case, cybersecurity wouldn't matter. Um, but as the world is progressing towards digital age, um, and now AI, artificial intelligence is being incorporated everywhere, and you know things are actually moving towards digitization, everything. The security is very, very important because cyber criminals are there, and there, there should be people who can actually protect and secure uh, the assets, uh, so, sorry, digital assets that you have. Um, so I don't think uh, cybersecurity would end anytime soon. In fact, I think it would actually grow a lot. Um, and regarding um, the pandemic, there has been, uh, I think, 200 and more than 200% increase of attacks since the pandemic. Uh, why? Because it's the play field, yeah, no one is yeah. careful. And people go home and work from home and their data is not secure. Exactly. And the thing is that the attackers also get bored. They are sitting at home the whole day. They cannot go out, you know, and uh, yeah, I have friends in Romania. They can, in Romania, they, you cannot actually go out without permission, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So when you're stuck at home and you are a, a, a kid that actually, you know, loves to hack things, so what would you do? You know, oh, let me try this. Oh, let me send this email to the, oh, let me do this. Let me do that. Usually at that time, you might go to school or you might go out and play with friends or I have a beer or whatever. Uh, but nowadays you're sitting at home and doing nothing. So that's why, you know, um, is a saying idle mind yeah, is a devil's workshop. So yeah, they're basically training themselves even under these times. 
yeah. I have to get yeah. the <laughs> hours <laughs> yeah. under the belt. <laughs> yeah, so to speak, yeah. Um, are there countries or areas in the world where you can find uh, good ethical hackers with good skill set? Um, well, they're all around the world. Ethical hackers with very good skill set are all around the world. Um, you have yeah, any country you go to, you'll actually find very good ethical hackers there. Uh, it's just a matter of opportunity. Mm -hmm. And uh, if they don't have an opportunity, they're still looking for a job. If they have an opportunity, they can actually grow within a company. Uh, but there are people and they're very highly skilled people uh, out there. And, and secondly, in Europe, uh, there's, a, there's a concept of one-man company. Uh, it's very easy to make and blah, blah, blah. So most of these uh, ethical hackers who are very highly skilled, what they do is instead of uh, working for a company, they you know, work for themselves as consultants. Yeah. 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 Uh, so even in Denmark, I noticed that there were a lot of uh, people who were consultants. Uh, they weren't working for a company. Um, I was a consultant, but I was actually working for a company. So that was quite, um, yeah. Uh, but so um, you find ethical hackers everywhere and they're very, very skilled, but it actually depends on uh, the country situation. Like, for, for example, in Pakistan and India, we're not a welfare country. Uh, in Pakistan, it's not a welfare country. So uh, we, we are, our people are very highly educated. Like master's is the lowest degree that you can actually have. And then, you know, master's and PhD. Um, and so everybody is actually uh, girls, boys. You know, everyone is actually going towards that or striving towards that. Um, and once they come out, then there's another issue of jobs and other things. But again, there are many, many highly skilled people out there. Um, and yeah, even in Pakistan, there are 200 million people, right? So <laughs> if you only take 50% of the population and they're good at security and they're good at hacking, uh, ethical you have hacking. A good pool. Yeah. All you need is to basically teach them consulting skills. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Which shouldn't be that, uh, that uh, hard. Talking about skills, uh, if anyone wants to get in, into this, do you need formal education? I know there are not a lot of schools, but there are some. Or can you still learn this online, boot camps or webinars? Well, um, as I mentioned earlier, like if you go with academia, there are different layers. So when you're talking about data security, you can go into cryptography, those kinds of things. Uh, when you're talking about network security, you see companies like Juniper, Cisco, those kinds of companies. Um, so you can um, actually work towards those things. You can manage those devices and those. you can go into network security. Uh, when you're talking about ethical hacking, so you can actually go towards ethical hacking. That's a completely different field. Uh, then when you're talking about information security, so you can actually go into governance, uh, risk and compliance. So those things you can actually work on. Uh, so coming back to your question, um, yes, there are universities that actually help you out. Uh, but nowadays, there are, uh, you can actually search on YouTube and you can actually find a lot of good tutorials on security. I still remember uh, when I was in, in 2000, when I was in 10th grade or so, uh, I wanted to uh, learn security and hacking and those kinds of things. And I searched so much on the internet at that time it was yahoo.com or amazon.com so i i couldn't find it was very scarce the knowledge was very scarce but now it's a lot it's everywhere uh so it's it's just a matter of giving some time 
and then you can learn yourself. And once you uh, once you have some skill, then you can actually um, start working towards it. Education is very important, so you should finish your education. Uh, like for example, there are schools that are giving uh, proper uh, majors in uh, information cybersecurity or network security. Um, so you can actually work towards that and then start a job. And then sort of um, after one or two years, uh, try to see if where do you fit? Network security, cybersecurity, ethical hacking, uh, you know, risk and compliance. Whatever. Is there one of them which is easier to learn and one which is harder or a path to start? Well, uh, the path, if you want to go straight through school, college, university, it's very simple. You have courses uh, and in the courses you have everything. Mm-hmm. Ethical hacking is usually not taught in universities uh, because of, you know, of course, you know, the problems that can occur. Uh, so you have touch of that uh, when, when there are courses designed, but not in detail. So you learn cryptography, you learn protocols, you learn this and that, network security, those kinds of things uh, in universities. Uh, but there are some universities that are purely based on cybersecurity. So you can actually start learning cybersecurity there. And then in your final year project, you can actually go towards ethical hacking and do a final year project regarding that. Um, so you can do that if you want to go straight. Uh, if, you're, uh, if you just want, uh, are inquisitive and you want to learn about security, then you can use YouTube. So ethical hacking is the easiest and the fastest uh, you can actually get into uh, security, even if you're in 10th grade. So you can actually get into You have a lot of videos. You have a lot of but in 10th grade, it's very hard to actually tell you what's the right path and what's the wrong path and what not to do and what to do. Uh, so if you see facebook.com, don't hack it. If you see you know, some, your school network, don't hack it. So yeah, it's very hard to actually tell that person or a kid. Um, but still, there are a lot of resources out there. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it, is it something that uh, someone who maybe is looking for a second career is maybe in his 30s or 35 or something like this, can they start uh, yes. working into cybersecurity? Have you seen this happening? A lot. Uh, I had several friends in Denmark uh, who didn't have any uh, background of technology, but they actually went into cybersecurity and they were very good at it. So you have certifications nowadays. Uh, those certifications can directly bring you uh, to a very good level, professional level, uh, and you can actually start uh, like there's a certification like CISSP um, and um, it's ISC Square. Uh, there's a company that actually provides that, a US-based company. Uh, so what it does is that if you don't have experience, you get an associate uh, certificate. So once you have a five years experience, you tell them and then they send you a full CISSP certificate and then you do that. So uh, companies are actually doing it and you can actually follow the certification path to learn um, as well, other than, you know, university path or the not the right path, but the university path. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking of all those millions of people who maybe have lost their jobs or are looking to to uh, shift. And that's uh, I think it's a good field to get uh, to get into, especially yes. that because it's uh, it's growing. Yes. Is there a potential risk for automation? Because all of this, I can imagine that searching for threats at some point can be automated, right? Yes. It is yeah. code, right? Yeah. So which are the areas which might be easier to automate or they already started to be automated and which are the areas which will maybe stay human? Well, in, in the field of cybersecurity, um, like threat intelligence, 
uh, looking for threats, uh, detecting threats like antiviruses, they're completely automated, right? Mm -hmm. They detect a virus, they, they automatically close it down, everything. Uh, similarly, you have devices on the network that, that actually look for strange behavior on the network and then sort of flag it, right? Uh, so these kinds of, uh, this side can be automated, but again, it requires human intervention because uh, AI, it right now at this point, AI and or the tool set that these uh, devices use, it's dependent on what you teach it. So there's good traffic and then there's bad traffic. So uh, an attacker can use uh, uh, or train it in an opposite way. When it's being trained for good traffic, you start sending bad traffic to it. So technically it would say bad traffic and good traffic. So it's very easy to fool, so to speak. Um, and then um, there's no match for human creativity. So when we do, uh, when, I, when I do consulting, and we do projects, engagements, like penetration testing for um, companies, there are a lot of things that automated scanners don't find. So there are automated scanners that actually scan the website or the network and find vulnerabilities for you and give you a pretty list of everything. But when you're sitting there, we find vulnerabilities that the scanner doesn't detect because that's more towards business logic vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's more towards human uh, intervention that a problem can occur. Uh, so those kinds of things, um, automation can never actually, um, at least for now, cannot you know compete with those things. Uh, so ethical hacking, hacking for example, will remain with the people. Power to the people. Um, and the um, network security configuring devices would still stay with people. Uh, threat intelligence would yeah, be partly with people and machines as well, of course, uh, automated. Uh, and um, yeah, so information security would always be with people because it's an overall overview of policies, procedures, and guidelines. And human intervention is very important in that. So that would always remain with people. So yeah. So it's a it's a good uh, place to get a yeah. job in and develop yeah. a career in for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, governments are looking for people, companies are looking for people. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of freelancing and the gig work support, and uh, apparently, uh, companies are getting used to getting that support as well. Exactly, and there's another aspect as well. There's uh, there's an aspect of um, you can say nation th uh, nation state mm -hmm. actors. Um, so. Countries are now attacking other countries, blah, 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 over cyber. Um, and it used to be a laughing joke back in the uh, 90s and 2000s that a country would actually attack another country on over the internet. That was, ah, you know, kind of a thing. But now it's actually happening. Uh, and, uh, and they are sophisticated. And companies need to be ready for that. Uh, so they need to invest in that. Because a, a, a kid... Uh, who is sitting in his or her's mom's basement and hacking is different, you know. Uh, but a, a, a team of 40 people trying to hack one company is very different. So, um, yeah, that yeah, should be... Yeah, the focus and concentrated yeah. uh, hacking yeah. forces. Uh, yeah, and the resources, the money, everything. Yeah. And knowledge, definitely. Uh, exactly, yeah. What's the yeah. future of cybersecurity? Um, well, cybersecurity's future is very, very bright, <laughs> uh, but, and I think it would 
remain um, uh, in the market for a very, very long time. They there to stay um, until digitization is completely eradicated. Uh, cybersecurity would always be there to actually protect people, uh, as I mentioned, like law enforcement. So, uh, yeah, the future is quite bright. That's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> is there something, Usman, that maybe I forgot to ask you about cybersecurity and you think it would be really important for either consumers or those seeking a job in the industry to know? Well, it's um, whenever, so I'll start off with the job part. Uh, whenever you're looking for a job, um, what I always did was um, I made a profile of mine over the internet, not, not connected directly to my company. So I did a lot of research. I published a lot of um, vulnerabilities uh, through responsible disclosure. And so that kind of profile actually helps you when you're going for a job. Nowadays, it's very, very easy. You have bug bounty programs. You have these kinds of things. So you can actually use those bug bounty uh, um, achievements in your CV. So whenever you actually go out there, have a profile outside of your company's work as well uh, so that you can... Uh, so, for example, I'm working in Pakistan. A company in the Netherlands or in Denmark doesn't know anything about work culture in Pakistan. So any experience that I have in Pakistan, they cannot trust it. But if I have a profile online and I've been testing Facebook, I've been testing Google, and I've been finding vulnerabilities, and, and people are appreciating me, so when I put it on my CV, then in that case, when they look at it, they would actually relate to it. Oh, yeah, Google. Oh, yeah, nice, nice, you know? And then they would actually call me in just, just to check how much I know. Uh, so those kinds of things need to be uh, addressed when you're actually writing a CV or sending a CV to different countries. Um, that you have, to, you have to think as an employer. Uh, so you have to actually think uh, if the employer is in Netherlands, what's the job market in Netherlands? What's the attack rate in Netherlands? That's a little bit... Uh, Further, uh, if you're doing uh, intelligence gathering, but for example, if, it, if there's a company ABC in Denmark, right? And you want to find a job in Denmark. So what you do is the first thing you see the job market in Denmark, then you see the uh, security culture in Denmark, then you actually see how many people are working in security in Denmark. So you can easily find that through LinkedIn um, and, and it's completely legal. So you just look at it. Um, and then finally, you, when you have all this data, then you actually design your CV that way. And then you actually approach uh, the company. And it's sometimes better to approach uh, directly the, um, the technical manager rather than going through the proper to channel. HR, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It does work. As, as Working as in, in recruitment, that has been my uh, past 18 years. Uh, yeah. Usually hiring managers, if you go directly to the hiring managers, you do have higher chances. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just is. Yeah. It's easier for them to recognize maybe relevant experience at some point. Mm. Yeah. How and about what was your second question? The, the, <laughs> yeah, it was about consumers. If there are any final thoughts for consumers who are may be interested in cybersecurity? Well, um, if the consumers want to see if a device that they're getting, IoT device especially, is secure or not, they should do some research before they do it. There are a lot of YouTube videos that do give you a very good review on how a product is. 
but you should go a little further and look at its security review and how, how secure is it. So a normal Google search on, for example, how secure is Zoom? How secure is this? What are the privacy issues? What were the recent privacy uh, issues in blah, blah application? So you can actually get a lot of information. So be informed when you're actually buying something. And that's very, very important. Um, and one thing that I would like to add here um, is slightly off topic is like due to COVID-19, there are a lot of attacks that are happening. Uh, when you're working from home, you should be very, very careful because your security department isn't there to help you. It's your own um, common sense and uh, the way you actually work that actually helps you. So whenever you're actually in a meeting like we are in Zoom, uh, so if there's a whiteboard behind you, remove everything from the whiteboard. Um, do not uh, post your official videos online on YouTube or anything, even the pictures of those uh, things. And um, if you're using, if you're working with confidential information, confidential documents, please use a small shredder that's even because that's actually better than just throwing it in a bin, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, although uh, free shred, or oh, sorry, cheap shredders or home-based shredders aren't that good, but still there are a, a bit of a defense against uh, uh, people who want to malicious, malicious people who want to yeah. get uh, yeah. to information. Yeah. So yeah, they say. <laughs> <laughs> Usman, thank you so much for today You're and welcome. thanks for sharing your knowledge and your insights. It was fun. It was actually quite fun. Thank you for having me. <laughs> thanks.